0: Bick and the Boss on the official home of the Canucks DK
1: Pete comes out of the box and
2: puts the puck into the back of the net
1: Sportsnet 650
0: Welcome back to Hour 2 of Bick and the Boss Craig McEwen here with Chad Day filling in for uh Bick Nazar who uh, is uh, spending the week with uh, Jamie Dodd and, and uh, Chad before we get to the, the rest of the sports news, some more hockey with Luke Fox, and a, a big story in the National Football League with Aaron Rodgers and the Greenway Packers. This late Don't At Me uh, comes in from Minor Matt of Abbotsford. Don't At Me, Bic Baby seems to be the glue guy for 650. Considering the market he's in, I can only assume he's a three- to four-year deal worth $3 million per season. Yes, Bic, <laughs> Bic is uh, making in big bucks. That's why we have to push him around to different shows. So we actually... Uh, works for his money. But uh, in all seriousness, Bick is uh, with Jamie this week on uh, Rintoul and Sermon as Karen and Scott take some much-needed time off. And that allows me to chat with you, Chad. And again, we'll get into hockey in a second, but it appears after a weekend of of talks that Aaron Rodgers uh, may in fact finally be uh, settling his differences in the here and now with the Green Bay Packers. Your thoughts on the Packers and Rogers uh, kissing and making up here.
2: It's interesting, isn't it? Because we all got that feeling that you know Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to come back to Green Bay, and there were all these these signs that you know pointed to that. Obviously, upset with the way things were going, and that sort of thing. And it, it looks like uh, you know, according to uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter, that they've they've come to a resolution, C-Mac. It, it sounds like that uh, a number of things are involved. So the 2023 year in Rodgers' current deal would be voided with no tags allowed in the future. The pack would agree to review his situation at the end of this season. His contract would be adjusted with no loss of income. That would give Green Bay some more salary cap room now to go out and, and do a little bit more. And, um, you know, it also in, in this report from Adam Schefter says mechanisms will be put in place to address Roger's issues with the team. So, you know, so far so so good. If you're a Green Bay Packers fan, you've got to be ecstatic that you're, you know, one of the best in the game is going to be, you know, back behind centre, and and maybe does that help with the Devontae Adams situation because, you know, it sounded like there were some, you know, issues with Green Bay trying to, you know, sign him to an extension as well.
0: Yeah, Adams apparently is now willing to listen to any contract discussions the team would like to have per sources. Uh, he's open to a deal, and yes, Rodgers apparently would uh, have a say in where he could be jet- jettisoned off to at the end of the year. So this is really interesting to me, especially for the fantasy football uh, people out there who were not sure whether to uh, invest in the Packers at all. But now it appears like, you know, Aaron Rodgers will be back for uh, at least one more season and one more run for the Green Bay Packers. Um uh, Interesting times in the National Football League, interesting times in the NHL as well. It's uh, time now to welcome Luke Fox to the show, works for sportsnet.ca, Does some incredible work there. And and Luke, it's uh, a very busy time of year when it comes to some of the top players and where they could end up. And, and, you know, we're going to get into the free agent stuff in a second. But, you know, Jack Heichel still seems to be the one that's sitting out there. Uh, after the Sabers finally make some moves this weekend and, and trade a couple of key players, uh, what's the latest with Eichel that you're hearing, or the people at Sportsnet are hearing? And, and is this a case where he he may in fact stay at the Sabers a lot longer than many people thought?
1: Well, I'd be shocked if he's still a Buffalo Saber on opening night. I know uh, that's what Kevin Adams has said. You know that he that he's comfortable rolling ahead with, with Jack Eichel, his, his captain, but I don't know how you bring a guy back and be the face of your franchise when there's such an obvious and public disconnect between the player and the team, both regarding his health and just his, his general general satisfaction with being a member of this rebuilding club. You know, it, it all signs point to a divorce. And, you know, I think Kevin Adams right now is, is publicly putting it out there that we're fine keeping him because he wants to keep that value high. He's asking for a very high return. And we saw uh, some of the nice returns he got for Sam Reinhardt and for uh, Rasmus Ristolainen on Friday. Um, and, you know, Jack Eichel is a franchise altering centerman who's still in his prime years. And I think maybe the holdup is his health because there's still a question of whether to proceed with disc surgery on his neck or not. Um, but the word is that he's back skating. Uh, his agent has said that uh, he fully expects him to be move, moved at some point, and I do as well. Um, you know, it, It's just going to be a matter of the GM battling with uh, his opponents for the best deal that, that's out there. I'm sure the New York Rangers have interest. The Minnesota Wild have interest. Montreal has some level of interest, although um, that would be a shocker. And we'll see where this goes, but it, it's fascinating. Um, and, and I think the fact that it didn't get done on draft weekend has kind of ratcheted up the tension uh, to get this thing settled.
2: Luke, there's no question that uh, the Eichel situation is is going to be one to watch over the the, the coming weeks, and and maybe something gets done in the next couple of days as well. But there are some pretty big name free agents on the market this year. We'll, let's start on the on the on the back end with. With Dougie Hamilton, uh, obviously Seth Jones signing for nine and a half million with Chicago, and Kale McCarr getting that nine million dollar extension, you know, probably has the Dougie Hamilton camp uh, licking their chops a little bit. Where where do you think Dougie will end up, and does he get anywhere near the McCarr uh, Jones number?
1: Well, he should, but it's it's a matter of finding a team that's willing to pay that. I think he's worth it. You know he's coming off a fantastic year. Seth, Seth Jones actually had a down year, and Chicago had to pay a pretty steep price in trade and then pay him that monster extension. Uh, you, you have to think that Dougie, Dougie Hamilton's camp is, is happy with that. I think they used to be using maybe Alex Petrangelo as a comparable on on the high end of what Dougie's worth. But now that Seth Jones is at 9.5, my goodness, that's what they're going to be aiming for. It's going to be hard to find a team that can afford that. Uh, One team that pops out is the New Jersey Devils, just because they're in a rebuild mode. And if this is purely about money for Dougie Hamilton, that's where he might um, have some success getting a contract that rich. Another one that that I thought would be Seattle. You know, The way they um, drafted their expansion roster, they left plenty of cap space. But they had an opportunity to talk to Hamilton during their 48-hour exclusive negotiating period, and it sounded like it didn't really go anywhere. But I am curious if they circle back, you know, if Hamilton drops his price a little. The trick here is the player absolutely loves being in Carolina, and Carolina likes the player. But the Hurricanes always run into this problem because they're afraid to open up the purse, purse strings and spend to the cap. So just because Dougie Hamilton's worth you know, something that begins with a nine doesn't necessarily meaning, mean that the Hurricanes owner, Tom Dundon, is going to sign off on it because his track record has shown that he's reluctant to do that. Um, but what's interesting to me is they actually uh, allowed Hamilton's agent to go ahead and negotiate before the UFA window opened up to see if they could get a sign-and-trade, and that didn't go anywhere. So that tells me that Hamilton is, Hamilton's heart is still a little bit in Carolina. So this one's going to be really fascinating to watch, I think.
0: Yeah, can you write off the Canes? I know you just talked about their their financial past, but it, would it shock you if he ended up back in Carolina?
1: It would shock me if Carolina paid him 9.5, but it wouldn't shock me if he took a bit of a discount and stayed there. And, uh, I, you know, I listened to what Don Waddell, the GM, said uh, on draft weekend, and he said that he was pretty confident that they can get something worked out with Dougie Hamilton. I mean, we're talking about a team on the rise and this would be a major setback if they, if they lose their number one defenseman, a guy who's, who's been in the Norris conversation the last couple of years. Um, you know, they, they got their coach back, you know, they're, they're working to get uh, RFAs like Andre Sveshnikov signed. Uh, but Dougie Hamilton is a really key part piece to a, a really exciting team on the come up. So if they blow it with him, um, I think it's going to send a really bad message to their fans and their core players who are still there.
2: Luke Fox, our guest from Sportsnet.ca, on uh, Bick and the Boss here on Sportsnet six hundred and fifty. Uh, Luke, uh, the Colorado Avalanche, they've got twenty million dollars in cap space, but they they've got some uh, free agents that are are obviously going to be very enticing to others, and including their their captain Gabriel Landeskog and and their goaltender. Philip Grubauer, where, where do you see the Landis Cog situation going? Obviously, it's it's been reported that it's been, you know, a little bit topsy-turvy. Uh, what's your best get? Does uh, Landis Cog stay in the uh, Mile High City?
1: I'm going to say yes, but I'm not very confident in it. Um, this has gone colder than I think a lot of people from the outside thought. Th- th- he's been their captain since he was very young, he forms one-third of one of the best lines in all of hockey with McKinnon and Rantanen, And the fact that it's gotten this far, I think has left the player really disappointed. You know, he's kind of given his heart and soul and, and been a, a bargain contract for this team for so long. And the fact that it's time for him to get paid and Joe Sakic's kind of dragging his feet or trying to pinch him on on the term and dollars, I think has really frustrated Landis And now that he's... You know, I think we're less than forty-eight hours within the free agency window. When you've come that far, maybe you take a peek and just see what other offers are out there, and see how serious other GMs are about giving you, you know, something that begins with, with a, a seven, like high sevens. Maybe he could get. Whereas I think Sackic wants to keep keep his cost down. Um, But I'm not ready to say that these sides are are completely split yet because I think not only is this important for Colorado, kind of like Carolina, to keep your best players in the fold, to to send the right message to your other players. But Nathan McKinnon isn't too far uh, around the corner, and he's going to need a new contract. And what kind of message does that send to him if they let Landeskog walk just because he wants to get a raise that he's well-deserved? Um, so it, it's going to be interesting times. I like that Sackett got Kale McCarr done first. I thought that was important, but now he has to buckle down and get a number one goalie and get his captain resigned.
0: signed Yeah, and Luke, you've been around the game of hockey a, a long time. How hard is it to keep these teams together when, you know, they seem to have this great chemistry. The Avs were, were excellent, you know, ran into maybe the wrong team in Vegas this year in the playoffs, but you play on their heartstrings and say, hey, maybe take a bit of a deal here. But they also know the reality of what other players around the league are making. And you've been on, in Landis case, on, on a bit of a cut rate already. How difficult is that balance for the player when he's playing at the heartstrings to, hey, stay with this great group, but also I, I need to go get my money somewhere else?
1: Yeah, no, it is. It's, that's a delicate balance. And I, and I think, uh, I, you know, there is one little bit. But you ha- it has to be respectful, right? You can't be a whole million or a whole million and a half under what other teams are, are trying to pay him. You can't cut the market right out from under them. So it has to be respectful. And, you know, I wonder, honestly, about Sakic having pressure from ownership because traditionally the Colorado Avalanche have not been a cap team, right? And they have a, a kind of a, a shaky pass when it comes up for players in their prime coming up for a big raise and then letting them go. Like, think about Ryan O'Reilly ended up in Buffalo. Uh, Paul Stastny, when he had earned a raise, he ended up walking. Matt Duchesne got traded. So they have kind of, you know, they haven't been that team to draft, develop, and then pay the guy when his big payday comes. Um, so this, he's really being put, test, put to the test with Landis Cog just because the abs are a legit contender in my mind.
0: Yeah, and where do you think things stand with Grubauer in in the scenario in Colorado? Is it one that you have to wait for the the landis Gog thing to play out before they look at him, or do you believe Colorado might be looking elsewhere for a netminder?
1: Yeah, I think they are poking around, to be honest. Um, But uh, I know Grubauer loves being there. Uh, He even showed up at the the All-Star, the baseball All-Star game weekend, uh, you know, and was hanging around with the Colorado Rockies and, and making appearances uh, on behalf of the club and representing the Avalanche in his off season, he loves it there. He wants to stay there, but again, it, it's it's about dollars and cents. So I think Sakic is is poking around the, the UFA market and the uh, the trade market because we're about to see a pretty rapid goalie carousel. I think there's going to be quite a bit of movement in the crease, and so if Grubauer is asking for, you know, something like Jacob Markstrom got or like Jordan Bennington got, uh, Sakic's going to think twice about it and say, you know what? We love this goalie. He was a Vesna finalist this year, but we think we can get something comparable for a couple million bucks less. And and that's that's the unfortunate balance that in a, in a hard cap league, it's always this kind of unfortunate thing that comes back to, we may like the guy, we may have helped them ascend to heights, but we also have to balance the budget.
2: Luke Fox, our guest from Sportsnet.ca here on Bick and the Boss on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Luke, you, you look at some of the other Canadian uh, markets, the Edmonton Oilers, you know, there's this talk of Zach Hyman uh, with, with a deal getting done there ahead of free agency, but still have some questions on, on the back end. Where do you see uh, Tyson Berry fitting in? Is it in Edmonton or, or is it elsewhere?
1: Yeah, it's a fascinating one. I, I, he was kind of their plan B, right? It all signs pointed them focusing their efforts on re-upping with Adam Larson. And then he goes off to Seattle and signs for basically the same deal that Ken Holland was willing to give, give him. So then it wasn't until then that they circled back and, and try, are trying to work something out with Tyson Berry. Um, you know, great power play guy, but he's a one dimensional defenseman, right? Um, where where I live in Toronto, uh, the fans got on him pretty hard for his defensive mistakes, and he has tremendous upside when he has the puck on his stick. But when he's trying to defend, and it, you know he has his faults, so I think the Oilers will take a run. But this is up to Tyson too, right? Like he he put up some pretty big numbers, feeding the puck to. Drysdale and McDavid, and I'm sure there's going to be other teams interested in him. I, I had heard Montreal might be interested. I'm sure, there, I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of others because right-handed shot defensemen are hard to come by, as you know. Um, the other really interesting thing to me about the Oilers that um, we've just learned today is that they're taking a look at Ryan Getzlaff, um, who sounds like he's going to be done in, in Anaheim. You know, a lifelong duck, won a cup there, brings a ton of leadership, and Connor McDavid has, you know. Been on the record saying he wants wishes the team had more veteran presence they got some of that with Duncan Keith but uh do they get Ryan Getzlaff I think that's going to be a fun one to watch
0: yeah and you've seen the success of some of these older superstars even though maybe they don't have what they once have whether it was a Perry or even a, a Thornton in in Toronto a Getzlaff could be a very useful piece for the Oilers couldn't he
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, I talk to Leafs fairly regularly and they rave about Thornton. They raved about Marlowe before he left. And, you know, who they really like is Jason Spezza. So it's one thing you ha- to bring the um, the intangibles and bring the leadership in the room, you know, help keep the young guys even keel, maybe work on them with certain things like Getzoff would be a great guy to work on face-offs with the, with the centerman, you know, for five, ten minutes after every practice because um, he's... he's had draws against everyone, and he's a proven, you know, great guy in the dot. Um, so there's little things like that, um, but they, they have to be able to play. And I think Getzleff can. I think the problem was in Anaheim, they are so thin up front, so struggling to score goals that he's playing top line most of the, most of the year, or top six, but you slot him down lower in the lineup the way Spezza has been in Toronto, and he could really take advantage of weaker competition. You cut down his minutes, and those older legs don't have to exert themselves so much um, and he could be more effective in shorter bursts against weaker competition if he plays farther down the lineup so I can understand why Ken Holland would be at least exploring this, and my guess is that Getzlaff would probably prefer to stay on the west west side of the uh, the n h l
0: and uh, lastly, Luke, before we let you go. Um... Any thoughts on uh, Phil Deneau and what what might happen with him
1: yeah it sounds like he's done in in Montreal which is which is a shame for on a number of fronts one he played an integral role in them getting to the cup finals shutting down top competition uh, like Austin Matthews in round one um, you know he was very hard to score against he's a, a pure shutdown center doesn't score a lot um, but I think the way the playoffs have played out the last couple of years, GMs really value what he brings, that ability to play the matchup game and kind of nullify the other team's top line. So I think he's going to be a hot commodity um, out there on the open market. And another thing that's been mentioned is if he walks, Montreal won't have a, a Francophone player. And it's been a long time since they've, they've had that. Um, unless Jonathan Duran comes back, which, fingers crossed, he will. Um, but their their French content on their rosters is getting quite low, and he was a really big fan favorite amongst the Habs fans. So it's going to be But I think the type of game he has and how well it's suited to the playoffs will get him a nice raise elsewhere.
0: Luke, really appreciate you doing this. Thanks so much, and, and enjoy the next couple of days as some of these deals uh are signed off on and we finally get to see where some of these players end up.
1: Oh yeah. It's a great time for hockey news. Enjoy it. Thanks for having me on.
0: Luke Fox from sportsnet.ca joining Bick and the Boss with Craig McEwen and Chad Day. And and Chad, that that's interesting, the Getzlaf, um news. I assumed he would finish his time there with the Ducks, but I, I read Shane O'Brien saying that he had lots of options and could he be enticed to go to Edmonton to to make a run with a, a McDavid and a dry sidle? I mean, it, it sounds like that there's a real possibility there.
2: Oh no, no question. And uh, you know, it, I I did see as well uh, uh, Nick Alberga from our uh, at the Gold Muzzy on Twitter from our our friends on the Fan Five Ninety. Also, speculation: two teams to walk on the Getzlaff front would be Nashville and Boston. So, I mean. Hey, in Edmonton, it, you know it sounds like they're they're poking in uh, on just about everything right now. I mean, I think Nick Foligno was a guy that they're uh, interested in as well. I mean, they came into this off season with uh, with some cap space and and the ability to do some things if they wanted to. Uh, now they're kind of uh, you know they've got about nine million left to spend. So can they get all that in, or you know, do they buy out? Miko Koskin and I, I think Getzlaff would be a, a good fit there. I mean, you've seen these these veteran situations work. You know, most recently this season with Corey Perry and Eric Stahl in Montreal, those those have worked out nicely as they as they play in roles down the lineup and 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 not in the top six. So I think you know, given the right fit, Ryan Getzlaff's going to help out uh, any NHL team. That's for sure. C Mac.
0: Well, and, and also Luke mentioned there Spezza in, in Toronto with Thornton. The, the, those older players who used to drive play in your bottom uh, group of forwards and can help you do the same thing, maybe not finish like they once did, maybe not move quite as quick as they once did, but as, as we saw with uh, Perry in the playoffs – you don't have to be the fastest guy on the ice. You have to be a little jinky. And you just have to be smart with what you're doing. And and there's stuff that you can do to contribute and help your hockey team win. We'll continue the hockey talk coming up as... Uh we get back to the Canucks and chat about you know what the future holds for this hockey team we we know now who they've qualified who they haven't qualified and you know we we, we might have to check in with uh, Rick Dollywall uh, Chad because apparently Petrus Palmu has not been qualified but uh we'll we'll we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how uh, that goes uh, if uh if Rick's okay or not but uh that and a whole lot more as we continue here on Bick and the Boss on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. You're listening to
1: Bick and
0: the Boss on Sportsnet 650. Three quarters of the way down the show, Craig McEwen and Chad Day filling in for uh, Bic Nazar here on Bick and the Boss on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. And, you know, lots of... News and notes coming in. And the uh, Canucks sent out a release today that uh, said General Manager Jim Benning has announced that the club has extended qualifying offers to the following seven players to retain their negotiating rights. Guillaume Brisois, Jason Dickinson, Connor Garland, Quinn Hughes, Lucas Yasek, Oli Ulevi, and Elias Pettersson. The club did not issue qualifying offers to the following players. Mitch Elliott, Jace Hauerluck, uh, Jake Kelly, Mark Michaelis, and Rick Dollywall's favorite Petrus Palmu. So uh, Do- Dollywall is going to be uh, giving us Petrus Palmu updates on on where he's going to be playing outside of Vancouver from now on.
2: I'm sure he will. He'll have. I'm. I'm sure he's he's listening right now, and I guarantee he's gonna he's gonna call in and, and, and give you an update on him. But uh, all, all seriousness, Mac. You know, seeing this list, I don't think there's any surprises that the Canucks, you know, you know, don't issue qualifying offers to Jace Howerlick or Mark It Should be mentioned as well. Former Canuck Adam Adam Godet was not qualified by the Chicago Blackhawks, but then moments later, uh, you know, they got a a one-year deal done just under one million bucks. But looking at this list, C Mac, you know, the Canucks have quite a few RFAs. They they obviously traded for for Jason Dickinson with Dallas and Connor Garland as a part of the Oel deal do you not get a little bit nervous about an offer sheet for Pedersen or 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 garland um, or, or even Dickinson at this point
0: well I, I guess you do in the simple fact that you know anything is possible but you know Elliot Friedman floated the idea on Donnie and Dolly that you know if if he heard from someone that if they really wanted to mess the Canucks up, they wouldn't offer Sheep Pedersen. They'd offer Sheep Garland. But bottom line, Chad, I don't believe the Canucks are going to walk away from any of those guys. They have more cap flexibility than they ever had uh, from last week to now. So they've set themselves up in a situation where they can get this this business done. And, and listen, they don't have to be under the cap officially until the start of the regular season. I think you can go over by about 10%. So bottom line, you look at it, and yes, there's always the possibility of someone might look at a player and go, hey, we're going to offer sheet them and, and put the Canucks in a bit of trouble. But it just doesn't seem to be the way in the National Hockey League. GMs don't seem to want to do that to other GMs for the simple fact that it, it, it's, you know, kind of tit for tat. If you do that to, to us, we're going to do something, uh, to you down the road. So it opens up an, um, kind of Pandora's box, if you say, because bottom line is you make a headache for us right now. We might fix that problem, but we might make a headache for you down the road as well.
2: Well, totally. I think the last time you saw it was, uh, you know, Mark Bergevin going after Sebastian Ajo, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, a couple of years ago with, with, with the Carolina hurricanes. And, you know, is Montreal a team, you know, that's been known to to do that sort of thing? You know, I think, you know, really intriguing is the Seattle Kraken. They don't really have a number one center, you know, in that lineup that they have created. And are they a team that, you know, may take advantage of it? I, I don't see it because Ron Francis has been, you know, a little bit more conservative as a general manager. Uh, during his tenure in the NHL with Carolina and, and now Seattle, judging by you know, who they selected in the expansion draft. But it still, as a Canucks fan, sits in the back of your mind. And as, as we head towards Wednesday and the opening of free agency, NHL signing season on, on Sportsnet, it's, it, it begs the question, is, is that lying in the weeds somewhere with, a, with another NHL franchise?
0: Listen, here's the chicken little sky is falling Canucks fans that always think (laughs) the bad stuff is going to happen to their hockey team. Yeah, you're right. I guess it could, but I'm not expecting that. I mean, as far as Seattle goes, they've been working on something with Jaden Schwartz there for a bit before. They're going to find their guys elsewhere. I don't see them opening up this rivalry and, and, and doing something like this with the Canucks. And I have all the confidence in the world that, you know, the Canucks wouldn't have trade or made all the moves that they did unless they thought they can sign all these players. So bottom line, um, but I, I think, you know, players like Pedersen, and it says this in the Dunbar-Lumber text inbox, want, want to be here. Um, so it, it would be something of a, of a monumental kind of blow-up that I don't see coming if, if something like this were to happen.
2: Yeah, I mean it's still a possibility, and I think that you know when when you look at at this team, I think they are a bit vulnerable right now. But that can all change, you know, with the with the, with a phone call. Maybe the Garland deal gets done tomorrow. You know, uh, luckily the way Quinn Hughes's contract was structured, you know, coming from college and that sort of thing, he he's not uh, eligible to be offer sheeted. But it, but it does beg the question. Listen, I'm not trying to. Uh, Know, get everybody uh, all uh, all scared here, C
0: Mac. But oh, you uh, are you're 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 pandering to that negative Twitter. I I get it. I you know a lot of people you know feel the need that they need the 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 likes or the the admiration, and so yeah, you're pandering to that negative well, side of Twitter that you know well, wants well, the sky to fall around the Canucks every every second. What what,
2: day. what what what's you know what's Jim saying about this? You know, like does he have a deal done? Do you think in his back pocket or what?
0: I'm not sure. I, I'm sure he's had some discussions already with those agents. I, I, I would guess that, you know, we heard that the Hughes and Peterson talks were gonna calm down and, and heat up once the kind of the free agency opens up, but on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, six fifty, six fifty, this whole idea of an offer sheet is dumb and overplayed in the media. To get a guy to agree to a team to pay so far a value that they're screwing themselves, then if the team holds the rights doesn't match, they have to give up multiple draft choices. It's not going to happen. So you know, the, someone else texting in. If if someone offers Hughes Garland over four point one million, then Canucks could get a first and third back. The OEL trade looks better, even if that happens. What do you think? I, I, the Canucks have no plans on losing these players. They, they they are are going to you know match. I guess within reason, but it's it's a mechanism that. You know, I sometimes wonder why isn't used more by rival teams because this is a very extremely competitive business. But you, you just don't see it very often, Chad. And and I don't think we're going to see it in this case as well.
2: Yeah, you're right. It it is something that that's a rarity, but it remains, you know, a possibility, you know, to happen. But what's interesting to me is as we get, you know, more word here, C Mac, of some of the uh, some of the qualifying offers, there's some interesting. Uh, players that could be available come free agency. And, and we've, you know, heard this talk of the Canucks wanting to add Hafton and, and listen, their, their top nine now looks pretty good. Um, you know, and, and maybe they don't get in on any of these guys, but, you know, Nick, Nick Ritchie in Boston, not qualified by, by the Bruins, um, you know, and um, Hanain from Anaheim, who was, you know, rumored to be in a potential Jake Furtanen swap uh, earlier this season, also not qualified by the Anaheim Ducks. So some interesting names there that haven't been qualified. Do you think now with what Jim Benning has done in this top nine is enough, or do you think he needs to add, you know, a couple more pieces that, you know, Jujar Kara is another player with the Edmonton Oilers that, could potentially be uh, available to the Vancouver Canucks, and, see, and see, honestly, might fit in ninthly on the fourth line. There's the one
0: that I, I would say. I mean, Heinen, uh, I, I, you know, offensive guy. Yes, he, he's put up some points, and you know, there was a lot of talk of of perhaps a, a Jake for a Heinen move, uh, Vertanen. That is a, a while ago, but I, I look at Jujar Kara and and think that there's someone. You know, it, it's tough playing your hometown, no doubt about it. it it's added pressure but he's shown well he he does have that heft that Bick loves to to talk about it and you know to be fair the Canucks like to see someone who could you know play either you know in your third line or or you know bottom fourth line so that that's something to me that would be intriguing i'm not sure you know what the value would be or what it would take to get him but to bring someone like that here to vancouver would, would be interesting to me because they are going to have to find someone who can play in the middle on that fourth line and you know bottom line uh, local kid does good is never a bad story if you're you're a local hockey team
2: Totally. And I I mean, you know, we're forgetting kind of the obvious ones as well. Brandon Sutter, you know, a a guy that obviously was brought in here by the Jim Benning regime, thought he would fit in as a top six forward. It never really worked out that way. I mean, when he was in Carolina and Pittsburgh was deployed more of that, you know, third fourth line sorry third line guy you know could he be a nice fit there i he you know, would be but you know what chad he's
0: not coming he's not coming for the money that the canucks are wanting to spend in that position i i don't believe sutter's going to get more money elsewhere i i like brandon sutter especially when he was healthy in this past year you could see how well he moved you like his size and you know from all accounts of people in that dressing room you you love what he brings the intangible as a leader but my sense of it is is yeah Canucks would love to explore that idea, but I don't think they're going to get him at the price that they'd want to pay for someone in that position.
2: More, uh, you see, I think we got the people going with this offer uh, sheets, C-Mac. You know, uh, in the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, personally, I hope a team offer sheets Pedersen for 10 plus million. We are still a rebuilding team and won't contend for the cup for another five to seven years. Four first round picks could really help us. Uh, Come that on! One, uh, like, on you, uh,
0: listen, listen <laughs> I knew you'd listen. love this
2: one, C-Mac. I knew you'd love the, this
0: one. The, 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 I love the idea of the picks, and that's great. But that's Tomorrowland. We're in the present now. Forget about Tomorrowland and think about the present. Like this team has a, a competitive window with some young players. They, they've got some studs. You know, the the, the Pedersen, the Hughes, the Hoaglanders, the Podkolzens, the Bessers. Those are five really good young players. And you cannot have a team of eight really good young players, you need to sprinkle it out. You need to move it around. You need some veteran guys. So if the Canucks are going to give up a few draft picks here over the next couple years because they have those five studs and that's the window of opportunity and you want to bring in a a player who's 25, 26, 27 who's who's proven himself in the National Hockey League for that five to eight year run, that's way better than thinking this. Oh, we're going to get four first round draft picks and boy, are we going to have a strong talent pool. It's going to be awesome. That, that, That is not the way this hockey team needs to go at the moment yes you need to stock the cupboard yes you need prospects in the system I'm not suggesting you can run a hockey team by not having that but the fact of the matter is to lose a, a, a player like Pedersen that the utter nonsense I, I can't believe that people would even want that to happen
2: I I do agree with you I think we we need to read more into one of the great philosophers of our time In John Cena, Craig, and you know, my time is now. And and honestly, whether we like the way this roster is constructed or not, the move for Oliver Ekman Larson, you know, and and Connor Garland, that's this is a present move. And see over the next couple days, the next couple weeks are are going to shape that. Like this team needs to make the playoffs next year. And if they don't we've we've talked about it. I think that heads are going to roll. I think you think the same thing there, but this team's making moves that are, are in the present of mine. If they wanted to, you know, continue to collect draft picks, Jim Benning would have kept the number, you know, nine pick and not made a move like this and then waited until next season when he said, you know, we want to be in contention in the next, you know, two years. This is a move that, you know, puts you in that window. So we'll see where it all goes, whether, you know, it, 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 it's the, the genius move that, you know, pushes the Canucks to the next level or, you know, if, it's, if, it, if it finally, you know, sinks Jim Benning's battleship in, in, in his tenure here in Vancouver.
0: Yeah, it's 650 650 Dunbar Lumber uh text inbox. Um uh, unsigned text. Craig for the love of god, stop boot uh licking. <laughs> And then uh but Ryan and Shemanus is on board. Amen, CMac. He he's not buying this whole offer sheet for draft picks and, you know, let let's let's get our analytics calculator out and and you know, figure out who who's the best prospect coming through. Uh, I I don't know as I said, been around this hockey team for a very long time and you don't get talent like Quinn Hughes and Pedersen and Demko and Besser and uh, Horvat and now Hoaglander coming up and, and Miller's in the mix. And and yeah, the, the top nine excites me now. I look at those lines and they're a good three-line hockey team and Mod on the fourth line anchoring that group. Yes, everyone has to stay healthy and things have to go right. If you can get a right shot defenseman, hopefully that's the case once some of these dominoes all dougie hamilton maybe moves along here and we start to see some uh transactions happen on that front but th- that's what i mean is is you should be excited and not worry about the the future so much right now if you're a hockey fan don't don't worry about things you can't control what you can control in the moment here is the players you have product you put on the ice what travis green does with this group that's what we can control stop worrying so much about the future the future isn't now the present is now yes the future is not going to be as easy as you would hope with you know lots of cap space and opportunity but there always seems to be ways to find a- around things that you can do to help not totally eliminate problems because it took them a long time to get rid of louis erickson but you can find a way around it listen they finally got rid of louis erickson's contract albeit for one year but it happened so nothing is impossible if you put your mind to it just believe in the future enjoy the ride and 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 go out and and you know hope that this hockey team uh plays really well and and competes and and has a really good shot in, in what is not the strongest division the power
2: of positivity, C-Mac. The power of positivity. I, I like that you bring that to the table. You know, day in and day out, when I when I get the chance to listen to you and and Bick. Uh, so I got to ask you this: when you when you look at what's going to happen over the next couple of days, yeah, you know. Do they move Braden Holtby and 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 you you know what do you think happens with Nate Schmidt? Ultimately, I think when you look at the Canucks defense, the way it's currently constructed, I don't think you can go into it with a with the top four of of Schmidt Myers. Oliver Ekman Larson and Quinn Hughes. There's not enough, um, you know, defense, defensive defenseman. There, I I think you know, defending is a very important part of your your top four, and I think that something has to give there. What do you What do you think happens over the next?
0: Well. I don't know, Chad, if if they're gonna hit a home run in free agency. Some of the bigger players would obviously go first. They are still gonna look for value for money, and that may mean waiting some things out. Because the closer it gets to the regular season, you know, Hamonic last year had to sign a deal because he, you know, he narrowed his options. But where else was he going to go? You're gonna find some value for money. At least that's the hope uh right shot defensemen don't grow on trees very tough to come by but if you can figure out a way of, of making a hockey trade for nate schmidt you know and and bringing one in m- maybe move nate schmidt if, if you don't want him to stick around uh to to get the cap space to go sign someone else but i suspect that we're going to see something transpire in free agency for the canucks but on day one I, i'm not holding my breath either because they're not going to be all in on some of the bigger names. They're going to be uh, in on players that, again, give them really good return for the dollars they're putting out.
2: No question. I and and th- there's definitely going to have to be some some bargain bin shopping when you look at the money that's left if they can't make any other moves. Uh, there's no question. You know, past you know, Jack Rathbone and Oli Ulevi, That's kind of your your five six. You know, right now, they're obviously going to want to bring in some sort of veteran, you know, uh, maybe a guy like a Luke Shen. I thought he was a great uh, fit when he was here um, for that, that short stint when, when Quinn Hughes made his debut a couple of years ago and, and a guy that can fill in as a as a sixth at this stage in his career, a Stanley Cup winner. Um, you know, Travis Hamonic. You know, I, I believe uh, Kevin Epp was on Donnie and Dolly today, and, and said that there's still contact between the Vancouver Canucks and 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 uh, Travis Hamonic. So potentially, could he return? And I know you think that uh, you know the the Alex Edler situation is all smoke and smoke and mirrors, but you know. Maybe they circle back to him. I just don't see the the money being there. c Mac, do you for for a guy like Edler? If uh, when all is said and done,
0: no, no, I, I, I hey, I won't be, uh, I won't be shocked if he returns. But now with the moves that they've made and and looking at his age and you know where he plays and what he does. No, I I don't suspect that Edler will be be coming back this way, and and maybe he knew something and I didn't at the time. Yeah, I I felt it was a little bit of showmanship by the agent to to say, hey, we're going to test free agency, and why wouldn't Alex Edler test free agency? He deserves to know what's out there, and and he might realize that hey, it's it's better to stay in Vancouver. But I guess as a depth guy, Chad, but I, I it'd have to be a super good deal. Um, to uh, get him here in the simple fact of, of what they have. And, you know, you, you've got to get some of these other players playing. They, they qualified, you levy, you've got Rathbone. You know, are they ready for everyday uh, NHL um, play? We don't know that. And until they get on the ice and, and try and prove us that way. So when you have the veteran guys, they're great and very reliable. And Travis Green loves to have guys he can count on. With some of the younger guys, there's a little more uh, risky ventures there, but those guys have to get some ice time too and and develop and see what you have in those players. And by having a veteran guy around, that's not going to give them the opportunities that they so deserve.
2: Yeah, I I mean, there's there's going to be, you know, uh, some way, shape, or form when you look at the unrestricted free agent market on, on the back end, you know, some names that have been linked to the the Vancouver Canucks, you know Jake McCabe, he's a left shot defenseman. Um, you know Brendan Smith, who can play both uh, left and and right D. Formerly of the New York Rangers, um, you know there are some pricier options out there, but maybe those are the guys along with Travis Hamonic that that can can potentially you know fill in Zach Bogosian. He he's thirty years of age, a a right shot demon. So those are kind of the guys you know that you you could see filling in there but but realistically uh, i think we have to see what happens with you know Nate Schmidt and and how that deal if there is any deal kind of shakes down before you know the Canucks can really make some 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 more moves on that back end
0: well f- for sure because you can't do anything with Nate Schmidt's money if Nate Schmidt is here. And listen, I'm not against Nate Schmidt returning. I I know we didn't see the best of him. I know the type of character he is both on and off the ice. I, I know how valuable of a piece he is. And that's why even with the term he has and at the age he is, teams are interested in Nate Schmidt. But a few other defensemen have to fall out of the way uh, in free agency before... I believe the Canucks are going to be able to do something with Nate Schmidt if they want to, but if they decide they want to bring him back and, you know, I, I guess play that fire wagon, we're going to go for it hockey, um, that, that, that'll be interesting for me to see because, you know, bottom line, you pointed it out there so aptly, you, you need some defensive defensemen as well as the guys who can push the tempo and jump in and, and look for those offensive numbers. And, you know, in Schmidt's case, who didn't get as much power play time as he probably wanted. Now you've got Hughes, you've got Myers, you've got OEL all wanting power play time. I just don't know that this is the best fit for him right at the moment. I still think he's a good asset. I still think he's a good hockey player. And it's a chip that the Canucks can play in, whether it's a hockey move or or clearing out some cap space, to to get them something that they need. And what, in my opinion, they truly need is a defenseman who's going to play on the right side, whether that's a left shot, hopefully a right shot, and is more defensive minded, and you can get that partnership or relationship with Quinn Hughes.
2: Yeah, and then you know the the next question then becomes you know if they if they do uh, and are able to facilitate a trade for for Brayden Holpe, who who's going to be your backup goaltender? Could they? You know, lots of talk. Uh, you know, I know Halford and Brough talked about it this morning. Um, you know, do they do they go about kind of that uh, model where you just bring up the guy from? the American League team, now that our AHL team's in Abbotsford and do kind of that carousel, or do they go out and, and, and get a proven guy? You know, one guy that I kind of thought C-Mac and is uh, Winnipeg's Laurent Brossois, a local guy here uh, from B.C., He's going to be a UFA, although he's still talking with Winnipeg. You know, he comes in at about a million and a half, which might be a, a little bit more than than what this team would like to spend potentially on a backup goaltender. But, you know, you kind of got to worry about that hole to fill as well, don't you?
0: Yeah, you do. So you, you, you've got to figure out Holtby. you got to figure out Schmidt. You know, they've now figured out the Vertanen situation and uh, lots more to come over the uh, next few days as uh, we look towards free agency and what the Canucks are going to do there. Of course, the NHL signing season on Sportsnet 650 is brought to you by Black and Lee's summer warehouse sale. Buy one, get one half off on all suits. Details at blackandlee.com. Chad Day, Filling in for uh, Bick Nazar, we appreciate the time, Chad. Uh, great job, and uh, you know, as I said, Bick, big, big shoes to fill, but you did yeoman's work trying to uh, at least come close to what Bick brings on a day-to-day basis. Thanks, C
2: Mac. It's always it's always a pleasure to join you and 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 get
0: the uh, the call up from the the East
2: Coast Hockey League. So it's uh, it's truly appreciated, my friend.
0: Nice. Next up on uh, Sportsnet <laughs> 650, it is uh, the People's Show. Uh, with Sat and Randeep. Uh, Joining them will be uh, Don Taylor, Emily Kaplan, and uh, the big guest of the day, Todd Harvey from the Vancouver Canucks. And they'll dive into what the Canucks did this weekend in the NHL draft and the prospects that are now part of the organization. We appreciate you listening to Bick and the Boss here on the Home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.